0: and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you for the words that you gave to me I have given to them. And they have received them and know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. I am asking on their behalf. I am not asking on behalf of the world but on behalf of those whom you gave me because they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine, and I have been glorified in them. And now I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, and I am coming to you. Holy Father, protect them in your name that you have given me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them in your name that you have given me, I guarded them, and not one of them was lost except the one destined to be lost so that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and I speak these things in the world so that they may have my joy made complete in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world." I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but I ask you to protect them from the evil one. They do not belong to the world just as I do not belong to the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world, and for their sakes I sanctify myself so that they also may be sanctified in truth. The gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, O Christ. Christ. I invite you to be seated. They were a praying people. They were. They were a praying people. Jesus and his disciples and all the people of faith that had come before them. And the 120 people gathered in that very first congregational meeting in the first century with Peter. They were praying people. They prayed. They prayed when they were feeling thankful. And they prayed when they were frightened. And they prayed when they were overwhelmed. And they prayed when they weren't sure of what the next steps were. Should be. There are a lot of things in the Bible that are not clear, but prayer is not one of them. Prayer is clear throughout Scripture. Jesus used to get up early in the morning before everybody else was awake and before the demands of the day would start, and he would take a walk in nature and he would go out someplace and sit down and pray in the fresh air. Sometimes he didn't say anything, he was listening. Other times he is speaking out loud and we're allowed to overhear at least snippets of his reflections, but he is consistent in prayer. He prays in the evening too, and late at night, like midnight when everybody else is falling asleep, he prays for the sick. He prays for Peter's mother-in-law when she was lying there in bed one day, sick probably with something like the flu, He prays for the paralytic. He prays for the man with the withered hand. He prays for the woman bent over with a misaligned spine. He prays for the woman with a hemorrhage and the man born blind. Jesus prays for the dead. He prays at the funeral procession of the only son of a widow, looking up on the bier and praying the young man back into life, and he prays at the grave of his friend Lazarus with tears running down his face. Jesus prays at meals, at dinner parties and wedding receptions and picnics on hillsides and at the tables of all those who invite him in. He prays, too, for strength and discernment. When he has to choose between staying in one place and being a full time healer or going on to all the other towns and places where people still need to hear a message of love and forgiveness, he prays when he's under attack on the evening of his rest. That's the prayer we just heard. He prays for us that night. He prays for the disciples and the apostles who were gathered with him and then he prays for all those who will come to believe through them and that's us. And all the people who will come to believe after us. There on the night that he's going to be arrested Jesus is praying for you and for me. And he gives thanks for us and he asks God to protect us and to keep evil from harming us as we go out into the world to be witnesses for him. He prays that we will be one as he and God the Father all are one and that we will be committed to one another and that we will care for one another. He asks God to give us joy that is complete even as his joy with God is complete. And to sanctify us, to seal us in all truth, and to assure us that we are loved. That's a pretty amazing thing to think about Jesus praying for us and with us. What does it feel like to hear Jesus pray? To hear Jesus pray your name. Peter and the 120 believers that was you know a church the size of ours actually smaller they didn't say they always had 120 in worship 120 are there and gathered and they pray to they're a reflection of the 12 tribes of israel and one of them judas has betrayed them and jesus and now has committed suicide and so they are what thunderstruck grief struck And they're trying to figure out the next steps. And they could perhaps have just gone on with 11, but see, there was something about that symbolism of 12 that mirrored the 12 tribes that somehow linked what they were about with the work of God and the Israelites. So they asked themselves, well, who's going to replace Judas? Judas has to be an eyewitness, somebody who was there through the whole story, who was there present when Jesus was baptized, saw that in person, was there for all of Jesus' ministry, was there when he was crucified, and there for the resurrection, and who was also there just like the day before when Jesus ascended into heaven. They finally focus on two prospects who are willing to serve, Joseph, Joseph, who, I'm sorry, who was also called Barabbas, who was also called Justus, and another guy named Matthias. They expect God, when they pray, to give them direction, to make the choice. So they pray and they ask God to choose, and then they cast lots, like die, marbles, or something. And they ask God and expect God to work through this action. And Matthias is chosen and becomes the 12th apostle. It's not surprising that they would pray, right? Because they're doing what Jesus has taught them to do, what they are already in the habit of doing. It never occurs to them that prayer would be a wasted effort. It never occurs to them to think they may not be good enough at it. They never think for a second that they're practicing magic or somehow placing their fate in the hands of blind luck. And through their prayers, God does provide, right? God does give direction, God does choose, and then they have resolve, and they have the strength to take the next first step. If God's people in the Old Testament prayed, and if Jesus prays, and if Jesus' first followers prayed, well then it makes sense for us to pray too, right? I confess though that I have never felt particularly competent about praying. I do not feel competent at praying. I've always been very um, self-conscious when people have asked me to pray with them or for them or whenever I've had to offer some extemporaneous prayer on a congregation's behalf. It was bad enough when we prayed in church and other people did the speaking, or when prayers were written out and all I had to do was read them but my own prayer life left me feeling like, okay, I'm not very good at this, and I'm very inadequate, and I'm woe to anybody who has to listen to me pray. My prayers consisted mainly in um, distress, crying out why and help. Or there were moments when my heart was filled with gratitude and euphoria, and I would think, well, that counts. And there were times when I was very serene and at peace, and I thought, well, that counts too, that's prayer. But I dreaded having to pray out loud without a script. In seminary, we got to sort of the end of this journey. You know, I put in three years of work, and I'm getting ready to do my internship year. And I have to meet with this panel. It's made up of a few professors and some people from the Senate who get to say whether I go on to do uh, internship or not. And we covered what they thought were my strengths. And then they asked me what I felt like was my weakness or what gave me the most anxiety and pause. And I said, prayer. I just hate it when people want me to pray for them. I seize up. I can't think of a single thing to say. I feel self-conscious and silly and incompetent. And then they laughed. And they told me, they said, just memorize a few good hymns. And you can always pray those words if you have to. Almost 20 years later, I still didn't feel especially confident about prayer. I'm amazed every time God shows up and every time somebody tells me that the prayer helped. Just stupefied. Really? You got something out of that? I'm not very self disciplined as a person. So, a year ago, when the pandemic was starting and I was trying to find ways I could somehow serve you when I couldn't serve you the ways I usually did, I had this bright idea, or it seemed so at the time, that I would start offering morning prayers and I had agreed I would do it for a month. So, we started meeting online Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday mornings at 8 a.m. And some of you, about 10, 15 people, showed up regularly every day to pray with me." It became a bit of a habit, these four days a week. And then the 30 days were up, and I was thinking, good, okay, yeah, now, I've done it, I can move on. But people said, no, no, it's really helping us, it helps us a lot, we want you to keep it up. So I said, okay, fine, I'll do it another month. And another month, and another month. And it's been a year now, or June 1st will be a full year of morning prayer. What a marvel that most of the time somebody from morning prayer would come up to me and say, Pastor, wow, what you prayed for me yesterday was exactly what I needed. You were on point every single day. Whatever was on my mind and heart, that's somehow what was coming out of your mouth. How did you know? And, of course, I didn't know. I didn't have a clue. But God do. And God has this amazing way of using our prayers, no matter how bumbling they might be, to touch other people's hearts. Plus, we're linked, Jesus said. We're of one spirit, just as Jesus and God are of one spirit. We're of one spirit because Jesus prayed that for us on a regular basis, probably daily, and on the night he died, he begged the Father, make them one. Make them one, just as we are one. So I shouldn't marvel, and I shouldn't be surprised, because why wouldn't our prayers align if we're all of one spirit and one mind? One of the feedback things we've gotten over the years when we asked for information about how worship was feeling, you know, how, how it felt for you being in worship and what we were doing in worship. And consistently, the one thing that people said they don't get much out of is the prayers of the people, the intercessory prayer. They say, it's long, and, and my mind wanders, and I can't pay attention, and it just, I can't relate and it's hard to follow. And and, you know, the problem, the real problem with them is that they're written prayers and they turn into paragraphs and the words are perfectly formed and they're pretty and they cover a lot, but that's not how we think and it's not how we talk. We talk in little phrases and snippets and imperfect ways with pauses. Our speech isn't pretty or poetic certainly our thoughts aren't and The prayers aren't very specific. They're kind of generic. They're a model The idea was somehow if they gave us these prayers, it would give us a starting point And then we could come up with our own prayers and learn to just pray from our hearts and that the prayers would be Spontaneous and they would be specific to our context and who we are But it doesn't happen People who are assisting ministers, so far as I can tell, do not feel especially comfortable or competent praying for you from the heart, leading you in extemporaneous blessings, gratitude, concerns, and grace. They tell me it's scary. I get that. I truly do. It tells me I'm not the only one who's insecure. Not the only one who thinks that somehow the Lutheran model of prayer where everything's written down in hymnals and books and is perfection and published, that somehow that's what prayer's supposed to look like and if we can't do that, will we've fallen short? But maybe it should be an encouragement to us too that when we pray so perfectly, it doesn't resonate. That it's the messed up, garbled, bumpy, odd, misspoken prayers that really touch the heart. I've gotten through a year of morning prayer. I'll tell you how I went about it. I had to sit down at 7.15 every morning and I would pull out a book of the Psalms and then I had two books that were like modern versions of the Psalms that people had written. And then I had the hymnal and I had a couple of devotionals and I would sit there and for like 20 or 30 minutes I would skim frantically through the Psalms and just saying to God, okay, I have to have something to pray about. And I haven't got a clue and my mind's a blank, but time's almost up. So God, I need you. And then as I was praying through those psalms and skimming through the pages, words would stand out, and eventually one of them would just kind of echo for me in my heart, and I would stick in a bookmark. And if it wasn't a psalm, well, then maybe it was a hymn out of the hymnal that would sort of call to me, and that would be bookmarked. And I might find some words of invitation and blessing and benediction and some of these devotionals along the way, but there would be that point during morning prayer after we had done a greeting, and we had settled ourselves and become aware and provided space to just breathe and be. And we would say, thank you, God, for this day. Thank you, God, that we're alive and breathing on our own. Thank you, God, for the beauty of the earth and for the sun that's shining or the rain that's falling. We would say, thank you, God, just for this space. For these people who are we're with us, for your grace, we would take time to pause and breathe together, inhaling, filling ourselves with oxygen, being mindful that the breath of God, the Spirit of God is what gives us life and sustains us and heals us, and we would flood ourselves with oxygen and spirit and exhale and release all the tensions and the toxins and the things that are of not God, right? And then maybe I would read the psalm or the hymn, and that would be a prayer. But eventually, I would just have to say, let us pray. And wait for things to come to mind. Usually started with gratitude. It's usually easy to name some things to be grateful for. Some daisies, the bird outside the window, even the sounds of traffic that remind us we're not alone and life goes on. And then we would come to our concerns and it ran the gamut. But we would pray for God's creatures. We would pray for chipmunks and mice and porcupines and possums and porpoises and whales, sea anemones. We prayed for arachnids, we prayed for insects, we prayed for single celled organisms like amoebas. We prayed for the atmosphere and we prayed for the waters that cover the earth. And we gave thanks for mountaintops and for air and asked for clean air and abundance and life. We would express our concerns and ask God's blessing and guidance for people in law enforcement and people who were on ju- judges and who were juries and people who worked in prisons and people who lived in them and people whose lives were up for judgment. We prayed for guidance for politicians and for countries and for peacemakers and teachers and students and learners of every kind. And we prayed for bus drivers and Uber and taxi and Lyft drivers and people who drive trains and people who pilot ships and planes. We prayed for people who were sick and people who were just feeling stiff and achy in the morning and having trouble moving their knees and their hips. We prayed for the dying and the grieving and those with addictions and those who were scared and those who were depressed. And we prayed for healing and purpose and direction and forgiveness for peacemakers and soldiers. And most of all, we prayed for hope I even prayed for the viruses this week. Somebody told me I shouldn't have done that. Gratitude, concerns, blessings poured out. You know, before long, you lose track of time. Leslie Weatherhead once said that when I pray, coincidences happen. When I don't, they don't. Bruce Eberly says prayer connects us with deeper wisdom, power, and insight. That prayer opens a connection with the mind of God that enables us to see more deeply, to notice things that we previously missed. I can attest to that. In harmony with God's way, we get to experience greater wholeness, greater life. It becomes a blessing for us. Jesus called it eternal life here in this moment. That's what he prayed for for us. He's still praying for us encircling us with love and protection. His prayer for us sounds a whole lot like the Celtic practice of came prayers. Came prayers are encircling prayers. They would literally stand and and walk in a circle and draw a circle on the ground uh, around a house or around their sheep or whatever needed protecting. And if they couldn't draw the line, they simply stood and pointed their finger out straight in front of them and turned in the same direction as the sun all the way around. And as they turned, they prayed. They prayed for protection, for direction as they journeyed or faced a threat The Druids understood that the devil was frustrated by anything that had no end. It's pretty good news. The kingdom has no end. Eternal life has no break, no entrance, no exit. They knew that God is never ending in time and in love and that the three selves within God form this perfect, encircling presence around us. The prayer of St. Patrick is a Cain prayer. Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me, circle me Lord, keep love within, keep strife without, keep hope within, keep despair without, keep peace within, keep harm without. This isn't magic. This is an expression of the reality of the presence of God because we are always encircled by God's love. And when we align ourselves with God's way, we can have confidence, even in the challenging times. You know, it might be surprising what would happen if we could just pray spontaneously on Sunday morning. Not perfectly, but I could just lift up the prayers of the people from our hearts. Whatever it was that came to us and to mine that day. Who's gonna judge us? What could go wrong? We might even find that our hearts are one. Amen.